Hi everyone and long time no podcast. Welcome back to the Making Milestones podcast and thank you so much for your continued support of my podcast no matter how infrequently these episodes may be posted. I'm going to try to make my goal for 2021 to post on a more consistent schedule pending my availability and how hectic my schedule gets but that is my goal. So for for the first episode of 2021, I just wanted to do a 2020 recap, kind of like what Jill Treese with the Equitheory podcast did, but a little bit different, obviously, because it's going to be recapping, of course, my year. So I just kind of want to go through a rundown of my year, the things I've learned, what some of my goals have been, and so on and so forth. So, of course, as I'm sure a lot of you know, my 2020 year started off very, very poorly, especially when comparing it to how this year has started so far. This year has felt so tame and so quiet in comparison. Right off the bat, my 2020 year started problematically because we started having soundness problems with George in early January that progressed very quickly. And by the time we got his blood test back and started treating for presumed EPM, it was too late and the treatment didn't take how he wanted it to and it ended up resulting in us needing to euthanize him, which was absolutely terrible because at the time he was only four years old. He was going to be five in April and it was just far too early for a horse to pass away. So my year for 2020 started on a very somber note right off the bat and it was very hard to like maintain positivity throughout the year following that because it was just such a horrible time and then of course with how much I share stuff online there's always outside opinions and people often feel the need to involve themselves in personal issues probably more than they need to and what I mean by this is even if people are well-intentioned trying to get involved and give veterinary suggestions or self-diagnose a horse off of my posts when we're working closely with the vet stuff like that there is just like an awful lot of oversteps in 2020 and like I said a lot of it was well-intentioned and it was great but it was already such a difficult and complex issue that I never really showcase to the full extent online so getting all of these thoughts and opinions on how we should handle it or how we should have handled it was also something that added to the entire stress level of that event and then when we did have to euthanize him the people who were already being hypercritical beforehand just grew in how critical they were and it honestly got to the point where like on my twitter account there was people who were quite literally blaming me for his death and saying that I killed him, among other very terrible things. So it made it very, very hard to handle my mental health in 2020 because I was already dealing with a very sad event that I had found super upsetting. And honestly, like in anything with horses, even when you're training them and they're still alive, you're always going to second guess yourself and you're going to feel guilty and wish you could have done more. So I was already feeling that way without people needing to kind of join in on the Shelby hate parade and make me feel worse about myself. So that kind of just exacerbated everything for me. 
And it put me in a really bad place mental health wise, which was something honestly, even prior to 2020, I was struggling with because I had been on like a lot of different medications to try to get a handle on my mental health at this point. And it was very disheartening to me because it just seemed like nothing was working. And no matter how hard I tried to address my depression and anxiety, nothing I took seemed to make a real difference. So I was trying to work through that. And like the one good thing that happened at the beginning of 2020 in the midst of all the problems with George and following his death was that I finally did get an appointment with a psychiatrist which would then lead me to the discovery of a mental problem that would overall completely change my ability to cope in day-to-day life so there was a good silver lining to all of this but with that said like it was during such a dark period of time that like even getting ready to go to that appointment and kind of trying to feel excited about the fact that maybe eventually, like finally, we were going to find out what would actually help me cope better so that it wasn't every single day of my life, like even prior to George's death, getting up and feeling exhausted, having to take naps throughout the day, finding it very hard to self-motivate to do things, even if I loved the things that I was doing. And just all in all, like intense feelings of anxiety and a, a major lack of motivation and a constant fatigue that kind of clouded my every day and made it so hard to get stuff done like I felt like I was having to work overtime to get the bare minimum done and then when you look at that like when you're working and you're working hard and you come home and you're so exhausted that you need to nap in the middle of the day you can't even get the bare minimum basics like cleaning your room and doing household chores done anywhere near as easily as a normal person could so then you feel like a failure because of that and then when that was compounded with the fact that I was also more depressed because of George's death it just got worse and then I felt really bad about myself because I would be looking at my personal surroundings that were in disarray like my room and like my feed room and the barn and not being able to work my horses uh, other than like training horses and all of that stuff it just made it very very difficult to deal with and then you feel like even more of a failure because you'll start comparing yourself to people who are neurotypical without suffering from any mental health issues and who appear to be killing it in life and of course you're judging from the outside so it's not very accurate but you look at that and then you go like why can't I do these simple basic things and and then for me also like I found it difficult to properly grieve George's death because of the fact that I was well aware of the fact that, like, other people had it worse, where they'd had way more catastrophic injuries from their horses that would result in way, like, way more severe decision-making and, like, less preparation for the decision. Because with George's death, this is going to sound super stupid, but um, I actually got, like, a tarot card reading in early January, and it said that I was going to lose something important to me so like in mid-January I just knew like I had this horrible feeling that he was gonna die um but with that in mind like the tough thing was that like even feeling that and having this pit in my stomach that it wasn't gonna go well I didn't want to base my decision to euthanize him off of that and have it be wrong because then the other problem that you hit then is if you euthanize too early and then you do your necropsy and find something that is totally fixable that you could have prevented and helps the horse recover from 
then you've made a permanent decision that you're always going to regret. So from that standpoint, I decided to pursue treatment and try to discover what was wrong with him based off of the recommendations from my vet as well as my mom wanting to do it so that we could try to save George to make him pastor sound. And then when that all ended up in not being able to save him, it was very horrible and I felt very guilty about the fact that I could have in theory just listened to that feeling that I had in my stomach that something was just going to get worse. And that feeling kind of was a major part of like my entire year of 2020 is just this feeling of dread that something terrible is going to happen. So anyways, in 2020, George died February 12th. And then following that, being on social media got increasingly harder just because of how difficult people were making grieving George's death and moving on from that with their opinions and whatnot. And like, Everyone is entitled to their opinion, but one thing I will say is, like, even if you're looking at something and you think that someone could have done something differently, if the horse is already dead, there is no productive way to voice those opinions without really hurting someone. And this is something I've realized in the past because, of course, like online, you'll always see things that you might look at and be like, I would have handled that differently. But also, hindsight is 2020, and when you're looking at like a fraction of what's actually going on it's a lot easier to judge so reading through stuff like that when I was already kind of working through my own feelings of guilt and my own regrets it was really hard to cope with and it made going online very anxiety inducing and like a lot of people would just say oh like why don't you just take a break from being online and close your social media and for many people that's like a great idea that will work but for me I have commitments to sponsorships and brand um, brands that I have to promote along with the income that I generate from my online activity that I need to post and be active in order to receive and since George's vet bill had amassed easily over like $6,000. It wasn't a situation where I thought it was a smart decision to take a break from social media at that point. So I felt kind of trapped within that, within the confines of my social media. And I felt that I had to keep posting, even if it meant opening up my pages sometimes and seeing these horrible comments that would accuse me of killing my own horse and calling me selfish for taking him to the third red makeover and saying that if I hadn't taken him, he would have been fine. And like, maybe that, maybe this stuff is true, but we honestly don't know. And like, even with his necropsy, like, we didn't fully get the answers that we wanted to. Like, even with his blood test for EPM, he only had, like, a 50% marker on it, which means they could have had exposure to it, but it doesn't mean they're actually carrying the parasite inside of them to the point where it'll actually damage them. It can mean that they were exposed but didn't get sick from it. And then with his necropsy, it was really weird from the standpoint of he had damage, that spinal damage that was consistent with EPM, but they didn't find any evidence of EPM protozoa inside of him and he also had some like brain swelling and like other stuff like that that was like again like not not like not far off of like an EPM horse but when they tested the tissues there was nothing there with the EPM protozoa so the person who ran the necropsy mentioned the fact that it could have potentially been an EPM-like protozoa, but not EPM. And that's kind of scary because then you got to wonder, like, if those exist, like, is Marquee, which is the going EPM treatment, is that going to treat them all? Or do you have to now find a different treatment for 
other protozoa that do the same types of damage as EPM and are very terrible, but might not respond to an EPM treatment. So that was very hard for me because I was hoping that his necropsy would kind of be cut and dry and be like, this is what we found. This is definitely what killed him and we're positive about it. And I didn't receive that from him, from his necropsy. And it was just very disheartening to get that back and not fully get the answers that I wanted to. And also the other thing about his necropsy was that like it took forever to get it back because they had to run his tissues like two or three times because of the lack of findings. And they had to go over the results numerous times and get second opinions on them. So, like, all in all, like, his entire history, like, even before he got sick in 2020, it was, like, so problematic from day one. And, like, I found out more recently that apparently he got very, very sick as a two-year-old and almost died then and didn't and they couldn't really find out what it was and they thought it was like a bacteria or something so then that led me to wonder like did he have any pre-existing things that made the progression of this worse or was there always a problem with him and so on and so forth but I never like I didn't get those answers so it just led to me asking more questions and feeling crappier about the whole situation but not getting the answers that I wanted while having to like see and potentially answer to very cruel comments about him that sought to blame me for something that at this point was out of my control because he was dead and it kind of highlighted the worst of social media and the worst of horse people to me because like honestly from the way I see it as a horse person there's of course riders and trainers that I don't agree with and that I wish did things differently like that's definitely something that I will admit to like I'm not going to agree with everything everyone does but even with that said I can't imagine ever like no matter how much I disagree with someone or even if I actually disliked them I can't imagine using an animal's death that they cared about as leverage to hurt them and trying to grapple with the fact that people actually had that in them online and that for whatever reason they disliked me and my content so much that they wanted to use that against me to try to cause me harm and to hurt me that was really hard to deal with because I don't understand that level of hatred to someone that you've never even met and it almost to me seems like people were literally waiting for something like this to happen specifically so that they could use it against me. And that really scared me because it's like, it's, it's a level of obsession kind of, but to the point where it's just toxic, but they're obsessed with like bringing in all the bad they can to hurt that person and generating as many people as they can to join in on this little hate parade and that really scared and bothered me but like I said I couldn't escape from it because I had to keep posting in order to generate my income so anyways that entire situation was just multifaceted and it was very painful and honestly like I do still feel that I never really got the chance to like properly grieve him because like I took one day off of work after he died and from right after that onward I just had to keep working to pay my expenses and to continue promoting my business and doing things and that didn't really allow for time to be sad so I kind of had to put my emotions aside and continue going about my life while still having to see things that were super hurtful online and 
I didn't allow myself the time to properly grieve him for that reason and kind of tucked my emotions away. And this is like my typical way of handling things usually because it does keep you safer in some regards because you're safeguarding yourself yourself from feeling those tough emotions and kind of shoving them aside and not feeling anything and it's not a healthy coping mechanism I'll readily admit that but it's what I had to do at the time to deal with it and that's how I handled it but During that month of February, which is a very terrible month for me because of, like, of course, George's death and then also, like, the financial implications of his death since he wasn't insured were a lot greater than what they would have been if I had been able to insure him. But since he had so many problems, he was never eligible for insurance. And so... I was working overtime to try to pay for these things. I was trying to promote my merch more and doing things. And my friend Danielle also was offering these uh, drawings of horses that she offered to people for $5. And she was donating the proceeds completely to me to help me out. And she offered to do it without me ever requesting that of her because it was just so incredibly kind. I would never expect that from someone. And she did it to try to help relieve some of the burden that his vet bills brought upon me and it was that was one of the acts of kindness during this time that really spoke to me and it mattered a lot because it was just something that she did without ever having to be asked and without it ever being expected and it took a lot of time out of her day to do that stuff and she just did it out of the goodness of her heart and that's something that I really appreciated but with that said, it did cause some problems because people use that as leverage to be like, why did you have this horse if you can't pay for him? And like proceeded to do more guilt tripping because of that, which I mean is, is a little silly because most horse people that I know that are young, they have parental help with their horses and they have family that would be able to pitch in and help them um, with that. And they probably wouldn't feel guilty about accepting said help from family. And for me, friendships kind of take the place of family sometimes, especially in that regard where we help each other financially, because, um, my family wasn't able to help me financially. Like my mom has her own financial issues and she couldn't help with George's vet bills. And, like and that's fine and it's not something I ever expected from her and I never even asked her because I didn't want to put that pressure on her knowing that she couldn't do it and so my friends stepped forward to try to help me out with that and even still the main cost was me covering it with my business and like my merch and stuff but that was kind of one of the acts of kindness that happened and then it backfired on me slightly from the standpoint of how people used it as leverage to kind of attack my character more. But that was one of the things that kind of like pulled me out of the water and pulled my head above water and was just like reminding me of the goodness of people. And then that on top of all of the things that people did to like remember George, like the edits, the videos, the nice comments and all that stuff. It was very like it was nice to see and it was it was something I really appreciated even like at the time I wasn't responding to most of these things because it was hard to deal with and like it was just all too much at the time but I definitely did really appreciate all of those gestures but anyways in February like near the end of the month that's when I had my psychiatrist appointment and then that led to my ADHD diagnosis which then allowed me to kind of 
start taking medications to like figure out what would work for me and even just the diagnosis in itself like without being on medication that was a little bit freeing because it explained a lot of the behaviors that I struggled with and that I felt were abnormal and that I had felt bad about and made me feel like I was like an outside member of society kind of looking in and that I wasn't normal and didn't think normally to people and just feeling like that I had abnormal stuff going on. The diagnosis explained some of that and allowed me access to a community that was supportive and also helped me understand the why behind some of the behaviors that I struggled with. So that mattered a lot. And then I also did get put on medication to help me with that. I got put on Adderall and Wellbutrin initially and The Adderall was kind of the next onset of my problems in 2020 because it took away my appetite almost completely and like that on top of the fact that I was like depressed because of the hardships from earlier that month didn't mix well and like I ended up losing like 30 pounds within like two and a half to three months so by the time like May or so rolled around I was like 30 pounds lighter than I should have been. And it was largely because of the medication taking away my appetite, but also my appetite would have been reduced because of the other stuff going on in my life and the stress and anxiety from that, as well as the depression. But the Adderall did not help. So I lost a ton of weight over like the next couple of months. And then my issues were compounded by the fact that like a trainer I'd been working pretty closely with for the last couple of years during all the Black Lives Matter protests I came to work one day and this is like after George had died he oh and also he never like really said his condolences or anything about George I just showed up at work like two days after George's death nothing so it was kind of dicky but like anyways this this next part is worse So during all the Black Lives Matter protests, I come to work to kind of like school horses and do my thing. And he brings up Black Lives Matter like completely unprovoked. We weren't even talking about it whatsoever and starts like saying things about it. And initially what he was saying wasn't like concerning at all. But then it started progressing to the fact that he was saying essentially that like, there's no racism and that like black people aren't targeted by police more and that like his white sons have been pulled over by cops and da 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 and they've had to deal with stuff like that too and that black people just want attention and then while I was riding he essentially tried to like bully me into saying that black people have given white people a reason to be afraid of them and he was saying all this while knowing damn well that my dad is black and the entire half of my family on that side is black and that I am half black even if I'm white passing he was saying all of this and continued to press it even when I like continuously tried to end the conversation and was deliberately trying to bully me into admitting something that I morally did not agree with whatsoever so I refused to agree with it because I was like I'm not gonna be bullied into this and I refuse to kind of let go of my morals to try to appease some man who is very clearly power tripping right now. And so I was like, no, I'm not going to say that. Like, that's not true. I don't agree with that at all. Like, there's a huge history of, like, abuse towards black people following, like, the slave trade and everything. And it's kind of continued into, like, our world today. And 
Then he threw a tantrum, essentially a mantrum, I call it. Uh, I thought he was done when I initially said that because he went silent for probably a good five minutes and then randomly just had an outburst and told me to get the fuck out of his barn. And I was like, okay, see ya. Um, Then I left and immediately like I got off like I got off the property and like immediately just blocked him on everything because I was like yeah this isn't happening I'm not going back there I don't want to be disrespected and I don't want to work for someone who is racist so that's like the next big thing that happened and like following that like he my my assistant Janae was also working with us a bit and he had messaged her and he was trying to get her to come back to work and then also trying to slam me and like yeah like using manipulation tactics in an attempt to get her to go back and work with him and then he also indicated to her that he was considering letting me come back to work and This was despite the fact that I had never shown any indication of wanting to go back to work and that I had blocked him on everything. And I was like, okay, like this person is a lunatic if they think that I want to go back to work and that it's them that's holding the key to whether or not I come back. But anyways, neither one of us went back. I blocked him on everything and kind of just moved on from my life. And since I had dedicated so much time to working there, and it was like one of the things where I had cut my client load in order to do that, I decided to start working at the racetrack in town when it opened. And I got a job galloping there for a few trainers. And then that got really busy because when I was initially riding like the first two months, I was getting on like 16 horses a day plus having to go home and do the clients that I had there along with my own horses so all of this was occurring while I was still on the Adderall so like I said like my weight loss was very substantial and it was not very good at all like I was way too thin and then of course since I'm active on social media you get people who compliment that and be like wow you're looking so skinny and it's like That was also kind of a hit to the self-esteem because I was like, oh, like, did I not look okay before? And now that I'm, like, actually unhealthily underweight, people like the look of this better. And that wasn't very good. So, like, anyways, my entire mindset for the early parts of 2020 was not very healthy and I'm sure I was way more prone to like snapping at people especially for comments about my weight like that because I was like look like I'm fully aware of the fact that I'm not healthy and it's definitely not something that people should be commenting on and complimenting because first of all like I don't think when you're complimenting someone you should make it unrelated to their weight because trying to create value in how much they weigh is not healthy for a lot of people and anyone who already has body image issues is going to suffer because of that and that's not something I want to showcase on my pages so that on top of the fact that like I knew that I had lost too much weight and that I was way too thin and that I was kind of working myself too hard and losing too much weight because of it and not eating enough All these problems were just up together along with like my sadness and frustrations from George's death and I was just like not in a super healthy place and my responses to people being what I perceived as annoying or rude probably reflected that completely. But in my defense, like, my posting on social media and sharing my life with horses isn't an invitation to like the very, like the very private parts of my life and it's not an invitation for people to make comments on like my body and 
stuff like that like um i post online and i share about my horses but that doesn't mean that people have like the inside scoop on everything that's going on in my life and it also doesn't mean that they're entitled to intimate details within my life or talking about personal things such as weight so yeah i had lost like 30 pounds which like at the weight i was is like really extremely unhealthy because i didn't i couldn't afford to lose that much and i was still working really hard so it made it really difficult to put weight on and that's kind of where things got trickier because i needed to go back to the doctor and then they pulled me off of my adderall and then my level of focus kind of suffered a little bit about that because of that one thing I will say is that like Adderall it wasn't like what some people describe where you take it and there's like a definitive difference where you feel like you can focus way better and like you're essentially a different person where you can clearly notice the clarity I didn't experience that but I did notice that when I was taking it I was getting like a little bit more work done more easily than I typically would be able to but beyond that it wasn't honestly that big of a difference for me so I got pulled off of it and my level of energy suffered a little bit but I was able to kind of just go throughout the rest of the summer without it and then the number of horses I was galloping started showing slowing down around July and August and then I planned to stop galloping end of August because I was getting tired and it was just way too busy for me and I was overwhelmed and stressed and not really having any time to work my horses so I'm gonna kind of rewind a few steps because I also forgot about the fact that like in March or April, we decided to pull Milo's shoes completely and start transitioning him to barefoot, which we did initially by casting his feet, which is with the same material that you use for human casts. And it helps protect his feet and it like created a mold to his foot while he was adjusting to barefoot because he had like seven millimeter thin soles. So his soles were super, super thin and it was too hard of an adjustment to just go cold turkey without the shoes on. But we needed to do it to allow his heels to expand and start to come up and back because he had extremely underrun low heels. So that was like a very slow adjustment and then he was off probably from March to end of May maybe mid-May and then I was able to start lightly working him with hoof boots on and then gradually kind of getting him back into a little bit of work and helping with the adjustments so that he could start to adjust to be more comfortable barefoot in work and he was getting a lot better he pretty much had his heels kind of widen and immediately and like was starting to build more soul and wall right away because he had basically no wall to nail to which was his other problem and he kept pulling shoes and so pulling shoes was the best way like taking the shoes off completely on our accord was the best way to help him develop more wall and soul so then he was starting to get back into work over the summer and I was able to get him out to like a Thunderbird schooling show once which he was very good and a lot more brave and forward defenses than he's ever been so that was like a very nice improvement in comparison to like years past and then again like we started to kind of adjust his like we adjusted his diet back in the fall before removing his shoes so he was growing in some good new foot but overall like for them to grow completely new hoof wall and everything it usually takes about a year so he was only at about six months of a new diet at that point and I had recently pulled him off of grain altogether and just put him on a ration balancer and then otherwise just a entirely forage based diet 
So he needed some time for the results of changing that diet to kind of kick in for him. And so I kept him in light work throughout the wet rest of the summer because realistically, like after galloping, I was so exhausted that like I often didn't really have a desire to ride much. So it was really hard to kind of be consistent throughout the summer for that reason. And I was so tired that like it wasn't a priority for me. So then that's also why I decided not to go back to the racetrack after August So then as of September, I was just working for myself again and taking on clients. And I started taking in more clients to the barn because I had more time and I wasn't so tired. And then in September, I got set up with my psychiatrist again and I got put on Vivens, which is another ADHD drug. And it worked a lot better for me. Again, I can't say it's something where like when I took it, I was like, wow, this is so substantially different. I feel like a different person. I can tell when the Vivens has kicked in. It wasn't like that. It was just kind of where I would notice that I was able to get a little bit more done. So then I was on like a loading dose to gradually get up to the dose that I was supposed to be on. And then when I finally got up to the larger dose, there was a more of a difference, but even still it wasn't like where I was like, wow, my focus is so much sharper. I feel like I am not so discombobulated anymore. I was just able to kind of do more stuff within my schedule. So that to me was like a little bit disappointing from the standpoint of like, I had thought when I initially got the diagnosis and started taking medication for it, I thought that the change would be like substantial and that I'd start to think more clearly and kind of like a neurodivergent person. And when that didn't happen, it was kind of a bit of a shock to me and kind of disappointing, but I dealt with it and it is what it is. And the other problem with Vivens is that it's not covered by medical. So it's like $130 a month. Like it ends up working out to like $350 to $4 a pill, which is absurd. So anyways, I have to pay that because my extended medical wouldn't cover my ADHD because it was classed as a pre-existing condition. So that sucked and that was disappointing because I don't really want, like I don't like spending money like that on myself. Like it usually just goes all into the horses. But since it worked better than the Adderall and I wasn't losing weight on it, I figured it was probably in my best interest to stay on it. So yeah, I just continued to pay for it and whatnot. And like with regards to like my other horses throughout the year, like Banksy spent most of 2020 kind of just sitting and growing and I would handle him basic stuff for like grooming, like teaching him how to tie And we took him on a couple of trail rides ponying and I practiced trailer loading and stuff with him. But beyond that, like, again, since I was so tired from the amount of work I was doing at the track a lot of the year and also other stuff, it wasn't like a priority for me to put a ton of time into him and get him out going places. I just kind of did it when I could and worked on him with the basics since he was so young and I didn't really need to be doing tons with him. But he was like developing quite nicely and turning into a rather nice boy. And he picked up on like the trailering stuff and like learning how to pony really well and was overall like super easy to work with on that stuff, which was really nice. So I liked that. And then with like Pogo, Pogo's my mom's horse. He turned three in May and we started lightly riding him. He still had like at this point we're in January 2021, he still had less than 15 rides. Uh, since coming off the track because he doesn't get ridden very much so he was lightly started and we did like a lot of groundwork and ground driving with him and then like some rides took him on some trails and like the basic stuff like that but again like he wasn't a main priority especially since he's so young 
Um, and Percy did a little bit more. He was going to shows a little bit with Milo. He went to the Thunderbird schooling show and just kind of developing on the flat. But again, since he was young, it wasn't like a major priority to have him working a ton. So anyways, come September, I wasn't working at the track anymore, but there is a horse that I was galloping that I had inquired about because I wanted to get him off the track and kind of start retraining him for myself to sell eventually because I really liked him but he was kind of quirky and a little bit weird where he was kind of neurotic and not everyone's cup of tea so I wanted to help transition him from that and I had offered his owner in August $500 for him and then they wanted to keep running him despite the fact that he was not running well and hadn't been running well for years it was kind of pointless in my opinion but anyways they wanted to He ended up in September pulling his shoe and, like, ripping off half of his hoof really bad. And they weren't able to fix it to the point where he could be sound to race. And he had to get scratched from his races. And then they tried to make me pay the $500 for him again. And I was like, no, that was, like, an offer that I made when he still had feet. Um, I'll take him for free, though. And then initially... They didn't want to take it, and then finally they agreed, and I just paid the trainer who I had been working for and galloping for, like, $100 for their struggle, and then took him on, um, turned him out to pasture, and kind of just let him begin rehabbing his feet, because he had to grow, like, a honestly, a ton of hoof, and this is Frosty. He's still off right now for that reason, because he's adjusting to being barefoot and developing sole, along with trying to grow back all the hoof that he ripped off, and... He actually arrived back from the track looking pretty good, but then he kind of overdid it running around and bruised his soles, so then he needed time off from that as well. So anyways, he's still off for that reason and kind of adjusting to the barefoot life, and I just want to give him time to kind of settle in and do his thing and, um, yeah, make sure he's comfortable. So he came home for, as a project, and then we also got Judy, who was this four-year-old thoroughbred mare that um Janae had ponied at the racetrack and she's really nice she had she'd come off the track in like May and so she'd had several months off so we were able to start her right away and get her back into work and that was great and then we also got two mares who we call Betty and Harlow off the racetrack at the end of the season which would have been end of September and then We decided to take them up to Kamloops, which is in the interior of British Columbia. It's a lot drier than where I live, and it's way cheaper to keep horses there, so it's better for them to adjust to barefoot, and yeah, cheaper to keep them there, so they went, and they're still there. They're coming back on January 10th, and the purpose of this was just because there are older racehorses in that they're seven, six and seven years old, so they've ran for a while, and in my opinion, like, you can't really lose out giving them time off because, like, you're, it's not going to hurt you to give them time off. Like, and, But if you start them too early and they have a lingering soundness issue that's not blatantly apparent, you could end up causing them to become lame when they wouldn't have if you'd given them time off. So that's kind of my say on things is that giving more time off doesn't hurt them, even if there's no problems. But if they have any lingering soreness, if you turn them out for a while and just let them be horses, they're likely to come back into work a lot better than they would have if you'd started them right away. So that was kind of why we decided to turn them out right away. Also in September, I kind of on a whim decided to 
go to go through the advanced equine behavior course through Guelph University. I had already done their equine behavior course, um, I think two years ago now, and I loved it. So I wanted to take the advanced course, and I did that in September. So I was doing that along with working my clients, and like that was a little bit stressful because arranging the time to do all the projects along with like doing all my social media marketing materials, my blog posts, the podcast, and videos along with training horses in person and all of that stuff. It was a lot, and. It, yeah, it was a bit stressful, but I really loved the course, and I learned lots from it, and it also kind of got me back in the swing of things as a student, which meant that because I hadn't had to do a lot of structured writing, like, my structure for, like, the research papers suffered because I'm lazy and kind of often screw up, like, the more meticulous stuff from the standpoint of, like, properly making sure my bibliography is formatted correctly and doing, like, a cover page and stuff. I screwed up on that stuff, even though, like, I'm a strong writer, so for that type of stuff, it comes easy to me, but being meticulous with details and making sure everything is, like, correctly formatted, that's not my strong suit, so I suffered because of that, and it was kind of it it was good from the standpoint of it reminded me where I need to work on and that I need to pay more attention before submitting stuff and actually read the entirety of the criteria for projects which is like again this is like a strong suit like a problem that has pervaded my entire school career which is like not shocking like it's very much an ADHD thing which is like yeah not being detail oriented for a lot of things and kind of yeah the boring parts of writing are what I struggle with and that's all structure and formatting the grammar and like actual like writing parts I are fine because I was good in English and whatnot but yeah doing research papers and like all that stuff properly was difficult for me so that sucked um and it was a bit of a wake-up call on the facts that I needed to pay attention more because I like was getting super good marks on all my projects leading up to like the research paper and then my paper would have had beautiful marks if I had formatted it correctly and that really upset me because I was like damn it like I lost like probably a good six to seven percent on my final grade just from being stupid I still finished the course with a 90 but when I did the first version of this course I got like a 96 or a 98 and I wanted to get that And on my projects within this course before the research paper, I had gotten basically 100% on all of them. My lowest mark was like a 93. And so it was very hard for me to kind of be like, wow, like a stupid mistake kind of set me back off my goal of getting in the 90s for all my marks in the class. And that was hard. But again, like I learned lots. And I was still able to do, like, all the projects and, like, the most important parts of actually understanding the content. But being, like, kind of perfectionistic and wanting to, like, be the best and kind of prove that I'm worth my salt was something that kind of took a hit for that. But I'm really glad I took the course because I love Guelph's courses. And then in taking that, I also realized I'm only two credits off of my um, my equine, my equine science certificate. So if I take two more courses, I'm going to have my certificate, which is really good. So I'm going to, I'm hoping to do those two courses when I have more time, like potentially in the fall semester, maybe in the summer, if I have time, we'll see, and then finish my certificate program. So that's like one of my new goals 
that I created in 2020. And then throughout the winter, most of and the fall, most of my riding was on clients' horses. I was doing Milo and light work, but then he started, like, after we went on this really terrible trail ride where we got lost and it was just very stressful and he had to deal with some of his main fears and then the entire walk back to the trailer, he was just, like, a nervous wreck. And following that, he started to kind of behave weirdly under saddle and didn't really want to go forward. He was kicking out a lot. Um, he started biting me when I was putting his blanket on. So I took him to the vet to get scoped for ulcers and do a full lameness evaluation. And he, he had the lameness evaluation and they found that he was still like sore from like bruising in his sole on both front feet. And then the scoping ulcers found grade three ulcers. So he immediately started on a course of gastroguard which I decided to give him time off during because I figured like there's no point in adding like any exercise induced stress while we're treating him for something that is typically caused by stress. So I decided to give him time off for that. And then also like we decided to put him back into form hoof. He'd had about two cycles of form hoof prior to this. And then we stopped because it's very expensive. And there was like we had some failures with the polymer tubes not mixing correctly and then it ended up in me wasting probably $300 worth of product and only getting two tubes replaced by form of hoof which was frustrating so I had tried to just do hoof boots with him and I guess he had some lingering bruising from like the initial going barefoot and then also like over time like even with shoes he would sometimes bruise his soles if he didn't have a pad on and so yeah he had lingering bruising so we put him back into form hoof and then yeah treated for ulcers gave him time off and all of that jazz and so the other thing about this is that my recent sponsorship that I had received from Schlesa Saddlery um that meant that I kind of had to put the trying the saddles that they were sending me on hold because I was getting sent some saddles to try and review and they were all fitted to him. So I had to contact them and be like, hey, like, I'm so sorry, but like, I don't want to work him when he's uncomfortable. So I'm going to have to hold off on doing these for now. And that I felt really bad about that because I also like, I don't know, I have a lot of imposter syndrome. So like, having to put stuff off like that when I feel like I owe it to like a company to get everything going to maintain like my spot within that company because I feel like I'm competing with all of these people who have more money than me and can go to big competitions and have fancier horses and whatnot so that was a little bit stressful for me but with that said like it was honestly like my dream sponsorship to get sponsored by Schlesa so it was like such a huge honor to have them reach out to me about that and that was like one of the biggest highlights of 2020 was that and the other funny thing is like Schlesa was like the dream company of some of my biggest nemeses that were just kind of constantly trying to hurt me or the trainer that made the racist comment so it was rewarding to get recognized by a company that I super respect along with a company that a lot of the people who try to blatantly disrespect me or hurt me respect um and yeah it 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 was very cool to get recognized by a company that I view to be like out of my league in a lot of ways so I'm really excited to continue working with them but with that said I do feel really bad at having to postpone like my level of participation with them because of 
um, Mila's ulcers and his foot soreness. So anyways, he had basically the entire month of December off and then he finished his gastro guard treatment just before Christmas and I started him in a lunging program and I've been riding him a few times and he's been a lot better, but like he's kind of funny in the winter where he is way more reactive when it's cold out um like in the wind especially he's really bad but also like in the rain like he doesn't like it when his tail gets wet and sandy so he's way harder to ride when he's like getting splashed and stuff because he just does not like it and he's not afraid to tell you the fact that he doesn't like it so getting him back into work mode when he has to work in weather that he doesn't particularly like working in is definitely more work than it is in the spring and summertime but he so far he's been really good and overall like I'm quite happy with him and he's coming to work better than he has in the past after time off and of course he's got a really comfortable fitted saddle to him now for dressage from Schlesa and he's been going really nicely in that and I can tell that there's a difference in how he's carrying himself especially coming back into work after time off so I'm really excited about that but it's also hard not to like beat myself up about the fact that like this is like I had him in more work doing more things like about a year ago and that we were really progressing quite nicely and since I've given him time off to kind of rehab his feet and do other things it feels like I've kind of like I'm starting over again in some ways and I have to kind of redo a lot of the work that we had been doing all year to get him back into his fitness level and continue producing him and get him relaxed and going nicely under saddle and whatnot but with that said I think with his feet being rehabbed hopefully when he does come back to full work it'll be better than what it was before which would be really nice so I'm hopeful for like come springtime especially once he hits around the one year mark and after we're going to do about one or two more cycles of form of hoof just to help out his soles, his sole depth has doubled since going in the form of hoof. He used to have seven millimeters and he now is 15 of sole, which is really good. So I'm hoping that it'll continue to thicken in his soles so that when we x-ray him again come spring that there will be a pretty big difference. And I'm excited about that. And then also, like, December was good for me. Like, the last month of 2020 was good for me because we got Judy sold to one of my clients. I had worked with her horse, Beckham, and helped her sell him and helped her rehab him through some problems that he was having due to discomfort. And then we sorted those out and found him a good home, and he's doing really well. And then she ended up buying Judy from us, which is really nice because Judy passed her vet check really well, and, like, everything looked good, and she's just a very nice horse. So I was happy for her because she now had a horse that would be nice and sound for what she wants to do and has a very promising career ahead of her. And then it's also nice to have a horse sell locally to someone that you already know because you can be a lot more comfortable with that home and how the horse will be doing. So that was really nice and it's also good to have some horses moved out of the program, especially since we have so many projects on the go right now. So I was very happy for that to go. And then I also had like in 2020, I had like the most commission sales I've ever had with horses. So for those of you who don't know what that is, I work as a sales agent, which means I help owners sell their horses and list them for sale. 
and I had the most horses come through my program that I've ever had this year so it was a very successful year with that in mind and we got lots of horses sold which was awesome and that was really great and then also like my clientele has expanded dramatically this year and I've been able to take on more clients especially now that I have more time as of the fall and that's been really good because it's allowed me to expand my program and I've taken in way more horses at the barn that I'm at with my horses and where I live which means it's way easier for me and I'm doing less traveling now which is really nice so that was really good like overall December was a very successful month for sales and then also like all the sales throughout the year we sold a lot of horses off the track for owners at the racetrack and even though working at the track was a lot of work and it was kind of hectic for me over the summer it allowed me to make connections that allowed me to expand my sales program and kind of improve the reach of my company and act as like a middleman between the racing world as well as the sport horse world and that was really good for expanding my business and kind of yeah getting more reach as a sales agent which is really exciting so that was something that I was really proud of because we were able to rehome lots of horses and then um in December like I haven't really posted much about this because like um (laughs) I don't like I don't know how to word this like I've never really had like a lot of really nice things that I've like bought myself like a lot of the stuff that I have for my horses that is nice I've gotten through sponsorships and stuff and that's still obviously working for it myself but it's not the same feeling as when you sacrifice with like your own income majorly to get something nice but anyways in December my truck had like my old truck I called her Bertha the big white truck that I had Chevy Silverado 2005 2500 HD good truck but older and not a ton of towing power also really really bad on gas and then the gas gauge actually broke so it didn't read properly and since Bertha was so bad on gas and the level of gas that she would use without pulling the trailer versus with the trailer as well as depending on if we were driving on flat ground versus hilly it varied so much that it was like so stressful to drive her and not know how much gas I had because you couldn't really predict how much had been used because it changed depending on where you were driving and what you were doing and after we dropped Judy off to her new home it actually ran out of gas on my way home with the trailer attached and that was scary because we had to pull over on the side of the road and like luckily we stopped near my brother's house so he brought me a gas can and we were able to fill it to get home but it was super stressful because all I could think is like what if I had had horses in the back and it wasn't a very good feeling especially for 2021 I was hoping like obviously provided COVID is over I was hoping that we would be able to travel to shows that are like outside of our very local circuit and potentially travel places to go camping and like trail riding and whatnot but I did not have a good feeling about doing that with the empty gas gauge and not knowing exactly how much gas that I was using. So I made the decision to trade Bertha in and get a new truck from a dealership who my mom knew the owner of because she taught his his kids. She's a teacher for those of you who don't know. She teaches English. And so we ended up getting a good trade-in value for Bertha that was only like $500 less than I paid for her. And I managed to get like a very nice truck um, that 
honestly like all I said I wanted when I was looking for my truck was I was like I really just want power windows because none of the cars that I've had have had power windows they've all had rolly windows and I always feel so stupid when someone goes to my passenger side window and either have to wave them back over the driver's side or like crawl across the the cab (coughs) sorry or crawl across the cab of the truck to open the window very slowly and so that was like my main thing is it's like I just want rolly windows and I also want a higher towing capacity than what Bertha had which was 10,000 and that was really my only concern and that that's all I wanted and ideally low kilometers because I didn't want to get less I didn't want to get more kilometers than what Bertha had and for 05 she had very low kilometers I bought her with 112,000 kilometers and when I sold her she had 200,000 so that was my goal and I ended up finding like like the dealership ended up finding me this 2018 Ford F-150 with the max tow package which meant it could tow 13,000 pounds um and it was also way better on gas and had all the bells and whistles so very overwhelming and but honestly like the amount of money I'd save on gas was like absurd because the quarter tank of the F-150 was like the same as a full tank for my old truck um So anyways, I got to go test drive that, really liked it, thought it was super cool, and then I ended up trading Bertha in for that truck. So yeah, I have a new truck that I got at the very end of December 2020, and I'm very excited about it, but it just feels really weird because I don't think that I should have something that nice. I don't really think that I deserve something that nice, and I feel like, I don't know, like kind of spoiled in a way, I guess, and just like not super comfortable being like, yeah, this is my truck to like other people because like obviously I'm very young and I don't know it's just a very kind of alarming thing I guess for me because I've never had something that nice and it's such a stark change for my old truck because like I said like no power windows in the old truck very base model like I had AC that was like the one upgrade that I had when I sold my car and got a truck was that I wanted AC because I was dying in the summer in my car and that was my big upgrade. So that was really all my truck had was that. And now I have like a backup camera. I have power windows. I have seat warmers and like Bluetooth. Like my, my old truck didn't even have an aux cord. Like it didn't, you know, like that, that that's crazy. So like I think you can imagine how out of my element I feel with this new truck, which is also why like I haven't really posted anything about it because I'm concerned about like yeah, the judgment that I'll get in sharing it, I guess, like, I'm definitely going to soon, because otherwise my clients are just gonna be like, who the hell is this on my property when I come in a new truck, and they don't know that I got a new truck, and I don't want people to think that, like, someone is robbing their house, um, so, yeah, but, like, it's just a very weird feeling to me, because it's not something I ever would have thought that I would have, and, it's going to take a lot of getting used to to have something that nice and I'm not super comfortable like yeah telling people that it's mine I guess I don't know it's like a very weird feeling I don't know how to describe it but like I am excited that I have it and it was like a very big decision and it will provide me with a lot more comfort when I'm driving because it's been so well maintained it only is 55,000 kilometers and 
everything on it's new it's still under warranty so that means that like if anything were to break it is covered and the odds of something breaking are way less high than what it was with my old truck which means that when i'm driving distance i don't have to worry about breaking down on the side of a rural country country road without any service and just being stuck there with a horse trailer so the peace of mind is something that's quite significant and that was kind of the main reason of getting something that was less used than my old truck and then also I have like the peace of mind from knowing that the gas costs are significantly lower like it is so insanely good on gas that I can hardly stand it um so that'll save me a lot of money that will kind of be factored into the fact that this is a more expensive truck but that was kind of my big exciting thing for the end of December and it's gonna definitely take some getting used to because like I said I'm not fully comfortable with it and I feel really weird about it and even when I look out my window I'm like what the hell is that is that my truck what the heck and I just feel like a swamp troll driving a Mercedes basically that's kind of what it feels like you know like you get the feel I feel like I shouldn't be inside a vehicle like that um but yeah that was my big thing for 2020 basically that was probably one of the biggest changes and my goals for 2021 are just basically to continue expanding my business and take on more clients and work towards the point where hopefully eventually I can afford one of the insanely expensive properties in the area I live in because they're all well over a million dollars if you want like basically anything that isn't an apartment or yeah any land expensive so that's a little disheartening for me and it's something that I'm struggling with mentally and have been for years because I look at it and I'm like I really love where I live and I don't really want to leave it and I'm concerned about leaving it from the standpoint of like leaving family members or not having like my boyfriend want to move with me if I were to leave and all that jazz so I feel pressured into getting a place here and I am just very concerned that I'm never going to be able to afford the cost of it and that it's just going to be kind of a pipe dream where you work so hard for something but it's always just out of your grasp and that's what my concern is but that's like honestly my lifetime goal is to own my own place and like that's realistically like all I want in the near future like that's like my main driving thing for working for that's like my main priority but it seems very unattainable so I'm just hoping to continue expanding my business and like my YouTube channel the podcast and like all that stuff to try to do what I can to save the most money that I can in order to try to make some of these bigger dreams a reality but like I said like at the start of this year I like at the start of 2020 I definitely wouldn't have thought that I would have a new truck by the end of it and a lot of the other stuff so like that's all pretty exciting but it's just very overwhelming and there's just been a lot of things and so in short like 2020 has been the year of great loss lots of bullying and some pretty substantial mental health issues along with some substantial family issues that I'm not going to talk about on the podcast because it's not my place to share them in detail but what I will say is that what you guys see online with like any internet personality or like literally anyone that you see online it's never the full picture and behind the scenes they could be dealing with a lot of horrible things that are making living their life exceptionally difficult so we should all try to go out of our way to not make it more difficult than it needs to be and I have my opinions online, I voice them very loudly, and I am very passionate about what I believe in, but with that said, there's a huge difference from, like, debating opinions and personally attacking people, and 
that's one of the main takeaways that I have from this year is like I understand people can look at my life online and be like wow she has all these horses and now she has this absurdly nice truck even though she's a swamp troll and what the heck like she clearly has it all together and it's like no that's honestly not the case there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that is really taxing and terrible and maybe I'll share it in the future once it's a little more settled down and once the people involved are more comfortable with it being shared but my mom and I have been going through a lot and so has my family and it's not been an easy year at all and all I can hope for is that the years in the future will become easier because for me it's very hard but more so for my mom I just want her to have an easier life because she's had to deal with a lot of tragedy in the last decade and or the last two decades I would say in all honesty she's had to deal with a lot and at some point I think she just deserves a win and a break and it really saddens me that we keep not having that and as soon as we think that things are getting better that another bomb just drops and that's kind of like what honestly a lot of this year has felt for me like a lot of 2020 is that like we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop like when you finally get a reprieve from how difficult it is you're just waiting for the other bomb to drop before something bad happens so then that's what also makes it hard to enjoy nice things because you're like okay like I have this nice thing for now but like what's going to be taken away from me to justify getting this new thing and that's what a lot of 2020 felt like to me is just like okay like I get something but then I get more taken away and it's been very hard to deal with that mentally and it's been quite the ride and there's been a lot of things and I guess the takeaway from this is that anyone listening to this is that like yeah on the outside people's lives can look really nice and good but like you just never know what anyone's going through and there's generally a lot more happening under the surface but yeah like overall like there's been a lot of positives to this year even with the negatives which is good like the fact that my business has expanded as much as it has this year is a huge bonus even with all the tragedies of this year that we've had to deal with and all of the things that have made it a lot harder and that's really good and I'm also really excited about Banksy's future I can't believe he's already turning two like later on this year he's been growing up really nicely and I'm super happy with him like I really love the horse and I think that he's amazing and I think that the way I talk about him online probably reflects that With that said, he's also had his fair share of drama because people cannot get over the fact that he still has nuts. And there's been a lot of rumors about that and people using it as leverage once again to try to damage my credibility or try to say I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, the amount of people who have claimed that I'm standing him at stud is absurd because I've never said it. And I feel like I've been pretty clear online about my intentions of keeping him intact being entirely related to joint health at this point. And that's one of the things that I guess bothers me the most about him is people starting drama about a horse that is literally just vibing in the field and minding his business and not doing anything. And like, I totally understand why people would geld earlier. And that's not something that I'm judging at all. For me, I just want to reiterate that like the reasons behind him staying intact are related to the fact that there's a lot of studies on dogs that have shown that neutering them too young makes them grow a lot taller. And then it also 
affects the it compromises the strength of the joints so for me like obviously not all these studies are done on horses they've done some on horses but there's not really any reason to believe that this doesn't apply to horses especially since the larger breed the dog is the more important it is to leave them intact for longer into sexual maturity to help guarantee joint health and on top of that since it does close their growth plates earlier if they're kept intact longer my hope is that it will make Banksy not grow as tall which is another huge motivating factor behind it but anyways the gist of it is that he's only out with geldings my barn owner was nice enough to just offer without me even asking or saying anything to her to build a six foot high fence on the shared side of their field and he's out with all geldings and they're all getting along really well and so far he's been really well behaved so there's not the rush to geld for behavioral purposes which honestly like that's 99 percent of the reason why people do it is for the behavioral aspect of it so if that concern isn't there for me then the need to rush to get it done also isn't there for me but people have kind of been exploiting that to try to say that i'm being like a backyard breeder or being irresponsible and whatnot and that's not what it is and also like as far as warm bloods go to get like breeding approvals to actually stand them at stud you have to jump through a lot of hoops like it's a lot of fucking work and that's like not the most appealing thing to me honestly as a lazy person who doesn't like paperwork so it's not something that I'm particularly interested from that regard but in terms of backyard breeding like it's not really a concern for most warm bloods because the requirements to get them approved for a to be a licensed stallion are so much and it's not like the stock horses or even the thoroughbreds where you can kind of just stand your horse at stud and if you say it's a stallion you can take breedings the animals can get registered and it's no problem it doesn't work that way with the oldenburg registry like you have to do a lot of stuff to get them registered as a stallion so anyways that's not a priority at all for me i just want to make that clear it isn't um what is a priority for me is ensuring Banksy's long-term health and doing what I can to help guarantee that, and this is part of that. So anyways, that's kind of what he's doing for 2021. I'm hoping to get him out to some sport horse and hand shows if I can. We used to have a big sport horse show locally, but it, it no longer runs. So I'm trying to find places where I can show him in hand, and preferably sport horse in hand. Like, I know I could take him to showmanship shows, but it's not judged the same way. So I would really like to get him out to some sport horse shows. That's my big goal for him. And then later on in his two-year-old year, we can start working on things like teaching him how to ground drive and doing some light lunging. But since he's got such a late spring birthday it's not like a huge priority to start doing all that stuff because I have like a ton of time before he's ever going to be started under saddle so um I can take my time and then with the other horses like when my mares get back on the 10th the goal is just going to be getting them going as riding horses and then eventually one or both of them will be for sale um later this year and then yeah just continuing to show my horses taking on more client horses and sales horses and continuing to develop that facet of my business and increase my client load and kind of yeah continue building my business and then obviously like depending on like if the border opens again and like what's going on with that that could also change my year and my ability to go places and like where I show and like what I do so all of those things are some positive things to look forward to in 2021 and like the bar for the start of this year was honestly so low that like um it's not gonna take an awful lot to like impress me for this month in all honesty so um we'll see how it goes like I'm turning 25 in four days which is nuts I don't like 
the feeling of being closer to 30 than I am to 20. Um, so that's not fun, but hopefully this year my birthday will be less depressing than last year because I won't be entering it with, like, a dying horse. So, um, yeah, that sounded like that was in poor taste. I'm sorry, but, like, I am just dark when discussing things that have changed that I can't control, you know? But, yeah, so that's kind of my hope for the next year, and this was my recap. I've learned a lot about equine behavior in the last year, and I'm pursuing my equine science certificate, among some other things that I will share with you later on this year, and kind of continuing to promote my education and trying to develop that um, to increase my credibility as a trainer and business person. And I'm really just hoping to kind of develop my reputation as kind of being the middleman between like traditional sport horse training and the positive reinforcement people, because I think that we need people who are in the middle and who aren't like diehard biased towards one direction or where they're so passionate about their positive reinforcement training that they don't necessarily allow space for people who are in the middle of transitioning their methods and want to learn more about positive reinforcement without diving headfirst into it. So I think that being that middle person to kind of lightly guide them to some kinder methods is very important and I'm hoping to kind of expand my business as that so I can continue continue to produce sport horses and start horses under saddle in a way that I view ethically sound um, and increase the confidence level and the relaxation in the horses that I work with. So that's my hope for 2021. And then we'll see how it goes. Like, I don't really like planning out my years in detail because like I said earlier in this podcast, in the past, it has backfired on me where I'll have these hopes and dreams and then terrible things just happen. So it scares me to kind of make plans. And to be like, this is for sure what I want to do because I always worry about it backfiring on me and something terrible jinxing what I just said. And that's not super rational, but it's definitely a big anxiety of mine. And it's something that has kind of been a theme throughout my entire life, like even in my childhood. So it's something that I'm kind of uncomfortable doing. And hopefully I will have consistently calm enough years that I can kind of plan and say things out loud and not just in my head without feeling fear about something bad happening because of it but yeah so that's my 2020 recap I hope you guys enjoyed it I know there's this isn't like one of my podcasts where it's actually like educational um but I just wanted to start off the year with kind of an honest discussion about my year being hard and just to tell you all that even if I didn't elaborate on everything just know that with a lot of you who are struggling with family issues like health issues mental health issues and family member like addiction crises and stuff like that just know that like I can probably relate to you more than you're aware of and I understand you and I hope you're doing well and I hope you take your mental health seriously as you would your physical health and continue to try to do what you can to make your life healthy and happy and that I'm here with you and I understand your struggle and I hope that all of you are doing well so thank you for listening to my podcast just a reminder that you can check out my other social medias i'm s-d-e-q-u-u-s on instagram and twitter and then milestone equestrian on facebook and shelby dennis on youtube you can look all those up and i also have a new saddle pad line out they're almost sold out a lot of the colors so i would highly recommend checking that out you can go onto my website milestoneequestrian.com and go to the shop milestone tab to check those out i think they're very well priced i tried to list them at a more attainable price point for 
other riders because a lot of the saddle pads on the market that are made with the same types of materials are like $130 and I think that's ridiculous. So I slashed that in half and made it $65 Canadian or $50 US and tried to do the best I could do to make them affordable while not losing out because I can't afford to buy the massive sample sizes that big companies can that make their price point even lower but they increase their profit margin ridiculously um, and as someone who's been buying wholesale now I can confidently say that they're, they're they're turning an absurd profit with the amount of samples they are likely ordering. But anyways, I have done what I can to make them more accessible and you should check them out because I'm excited about them and it's been a lot of fun having those to offer up to you guys. So thank you for listening and have a great year and hopefully this year will be better than 2020.